0: Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are going through Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, one minute at a time. I'm Kestra Dorowski.
1: I'm Andrew Dorowski.
0: And we are again, for the fourth time this week, uh, joined by Brad. Welcome back.
2: Hey guys, uh, really excited to be back. We've been having uh, so much fun. I'm actually joined uh, this episode by our... uh, The Golden Retriever Puppy Boomer, so if you hear weird growling from my end, I'm not turning feral, it's just
1: my dog. (laughs) Sounds good. Yes. We'll we'll keep that in mind.
0: Uh, Today we are covering Minute 64, which starts off with the hag saying, on the skin, um, and the raven cowers away from the apple and from the hag. And it ends with the hag reading the antidote with the words, Victim of the Sleeping Death. Mmm. That poor raven.
1: Uh, Okay, she is harassing that bird this minute, because, like, she talks about what the purpose of this apple is, and then the bird is, like, backing away, backing away. Like, it's... I don't even know what that little alcove that it's trying to cram itself into is. But it's just backing away, backing away. And then she says, it's not for you. It wasn't trying to steal it. Well, first off... It's, it's she not said, trying to steal the so, apple. So she's, she's like, no, it's not for you.
0: No, first I off, know
1: it's not for me. Ever? I'm trying to get away.
0: She offers him a bite. She says, have a
1: bite. Yeah, and then he's like, no, no. no, no. I'm like, he's gone.
0: And then she's like, it's he, not for you. And I'm like, well, one, he doesn't want it. And two, you offered it to him.
1: But, like... Yeah, she's she's really mean as the hag. <laughs> she's a mean woman. Yeah.
2: Well, well, the funny thing is, isn't it, yeah, you see a little bit of this in the next minute with a, a spider who scurries away. Creepy things are scared of her. That is a creepy looking raven, and which is it's a bad it, sign. Yeah, if it, the creepy
1: stuff is scared.
0: Yeah. Seriously.
2: So it, it was. Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty telling. It's like how how terrifying the the witch is and you know we also get a lot more of her talking to the audience what we went into in the last minute and you know it, it's unnerving there's so much weird creepy unnerving stuff that happens over this next group of minutes and uh you know the, the raven being scared of her was a great one
1: i think uh, i think uh we just got a you just heard a little bit of boomer
0: <laughs> he's so cute
1: um but yeah, this, like, the bird could not scurry away from her fast enough. And she's just like, she's almost like pushing the apple in its face yes. and then saying, it's not for you. Like, I, like, she's got a problem here where it's like, here, let me offer you something. Oh, you don't want it? It wasn't for you anyway. Like, this weird sort of, like, love-hate relationship with this bird. Like, yes. I don't, I'm not sure if this bird's a pet. I think it might be a prisoner
0: it's awful. It's it's very it's very sad.
1: I also think um along with what you were saying Brad where you know she's she's talking more to the audience and and to herself and and all these things like I think she's losing it. Like she's she's going kind of crazy in a way she never was as the queen. But after this transformation, she's going a little bit nuts and really starting to lose her cool. There's such a weird um, repression,
2: I think, when she's the queen, where she's just barely holding it together, and there's so much anger and rage in the character, and when she turns into the hag, she's really becoming her true self, and all the malevolence and maliciousness, and it just expresses itself in so many ways, taunting the bird, uh, and in the next, the threatening um, talk towards the audience, and... Uh, Is also so effective, and I, I was so taken by the the artwork here. And you I, I love um, I love computer animated movies. I I, I never miss a Pixar film, um, and they're able to do so much. And there's a great consistency, so um, you're, you're rarely distracted by little artistic errors that can happen in hand draw and stuff. But in this scene, it really struck me how the fluidity of the movement and the warmth of hand-drawn stuff is something that uh, computer animation really has a challenging time replacing. And it, it, it added so much to the scene, just uh, the movement of the character, uh, of the of the hag, of the queen. And, uh, yeah, she it was she's a really scary character. Uh, it's, my, my daughter, I think there's, there's a lot of hiding her eyes when she watches this part of the movie.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know that actually all the things you've been saying reminded me that I think it looks like she's more comfortable as the hag. Like her presence is more relaxed and comfortable and she's she's in a sense more comfortable in her own skin now that she is the hag with the cloak and the and the the bony hands and everything. Where we've talked about as the queen she's always been standing with this performative posture like the high shoulders and um and everything like that it's it's a very performed sort of action and posture and and all of her movements are grand and austere and like you would see on a stage play um but now that she's the hag you're not getting that same sort of performance um in the for lack of a better term the acting of the animation um you know when you watch her as the queen you can see someone acting it out and then that being transferred into drawing as the hag. It seems so much more fluid. It's not like I'm watching someone perform the hag. It's like, I'm just watching the hag. And I wonder if that was intentional at all, uh, you know, to make her, as she transformed, seem more comfortable with herself and more fluid, more, um, I mean, fluid's the, the best term I can come up with where, she is just moving as the hag, whereas as the queen, it was like she was performing movement as the queen. Yeah, the queen, I think, I get the sense was definitely this
2: was the disguise. This is her in her natural state. This is who she really is, and uh, the ugliness that's inside of that character gets to fully come out and and just be. And uh, it, it's you're really seeing her in her true relaxed. This is what she would look like if she was on a desert island and didn't have to worry about what she looked like to other people.
1: Yeah. And, um, earlier, you know, throughout this, the whole film, we've, we've talked about it as, um, you know, there was going to be the moment where she turned herself ugly to become the fairest, you know, to go kill Snow White. So she'd be the fairest. And, and, you know, the, the irony of that, that attitude like i will turn ugly and go attack the fairest so that i become the fairest and but really she's she's just been faking being the second fairest this whole time um and it hadn't really struck me in that way until you started talking about you know how comfortable and and how she's changed into the hag uh, in such a complete way she's it it i mean it's crazy, and we know that it's the same—the same voice, the same voice actress—is performing the queen and the hag, uh, and so you know, in a lot of ways, the character is the same and has always been the same. It's just now something is clicking uh, for and, for the characterization.
0: And along with the character almost being the same, the the animator for the queen, Joe Grant, had. Uh, kind of come up with an idea for what the witch should look like and it looks very similar to what the the witch looks like now but uh, it it turned over to a different animator, uh, Norm Ferguson, but it went off of the same design as the person who designed the queen. We
1: so we seen. would have two so there were two different animators working on the queen and the hag.
0: But the, both ideas for the queen and the hag came from the same animator. So so the so the the look of the of the hag mm-hmm. came from the same animator as the queen. Right. And it looks very very similar just not as flourished but out the, and Yeah, animated. but
1: the actual animation was was two we, different yes. uh, artists drawing the animation. Yes. Um and I wonder if I mean maybe they just actually had different styles of of art for their animation and um who 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 were the, what were the two names?
0: Joe Grant did the queen and And norm Norm ferguson
1: Ferguson. so maybe norm ferguson just has a sort of more fluid animation style and and um joe grant had this more kind of regal style and so he's better suited to the queen anyway Mm -hmm. um so it might not i mean it could have just been stylistic differences for making the character move more fluidly and less uh performatively and things like that Mm -hmm this is interesting i i like digging into this this is a good this is a good minute
2: (laughs) it is you know it's funny because it's not the one with necessarily the most action because there's a lot of monologuing in it but uh there's just a lot of cool stuff happening here and a lot of neat stuff to think about because the queen becomes a very interesting character and for her to take so much of the movie by herself just monologuing yelling at the crow and some stuff that happens even in the next minute uh it, it, it's some 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 cool stuff and it's a really good bad guy and you forget how important it is to have a good bad guy in a movie especially since snow white uh because of her purity and because of her just out and out goodness you need to have sort of a a really strong uh villain to to offset that or else she could be a, a, it could be a little boring without that
1: yeah uh and there's a lot of like small gestures and notes that they put into both the queen and the hag, but I'd say more the hag um the queen's gestures and notes really come in her her costume um and the cape and and things like that um but the hag there's a note in this minute where she's thinking about um like she's pondering if there might be an antidote for the the spell, and she puts her finger. And holds it against her one tooth as she's thinking about this, and it was just such an interesting gesture that I watched I was like like she is comfortable being the hag and having this one tooth like huh and just like she taps it as if she's always been this hag and is is getting back into the the mood like oh, I remember like these are these are my idiosyncratic movements when I'm the hag. Like, the queen obviously would never, like, put her hand up and touch a tooth.
0: Probably wouldn't really touch her face at all.
1: But as the hag, she has these, like, little motions that are natural. And uh, you would think automatic, you know, subconscious things that we all do, you know, when we're kind of relaxed and more comfortable with ourselves. And it seems odd to me that, like, in theory, she would be performing the hag. But she's thinking, and it's like, oh... Well, what do I do when I think I tap my one remaining tooth?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to read some of the lines that she says throughout this minute.
1: All right, let's let's hear some of the the lines. Uh, and these were performed by Lucille Laverne. Yes, um, as as the hag and the queen. Yes, we we gotta get that voice actor credit on this <laughs> podcast because they don't get it in the film. <laughs> no, no,
0: um. So she says on the skin the symbol of what lies within so
1: that's when it shifts it's got like the skull mm-hmm. and then shifts to the red apple
0: Now turn red to tempt snow white to make her hunger for a bite
1: Again red apples not the most tempting i would say
0: <laughs> Yes but i wanted to mention that um right before the apple turns red you, it 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 goes the the camera pans back to the the apple, with the the skull and the drooping mm-hmm. green potion stuff on it and everything. Um, and the blacks the the string that was black has turned red already.
1: Oh, I didn't notice that the string was black and changed color. It did. This is what we get for doing it minute by minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the apple turns red, and then later. She says. When she breaks the tender peel to taste the apple in my hand, her breath will still, her blood congeal, then I'll be fairest in the
1: land. Uh-huh. And that's one of those rhyming couplets that made me feel like it would lead into a song. Yeah. You're waiting for the music to swell and the song to happen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cool. And then she says, maybe there's an antidote.
1: Yes. and she, Nothing she t- must
0: be overlooked.
1: Yeah. Now, is this when she puts it in the basket? or no, she's still holding it through the through the antidote.
0: She's still holding it. All
1: right. Um so she goes to the the book and I'm disappointed that we don't get a better look at her lair throughout these minutes because a couple of weeks ago we got some really great background stuff of her her brewing station and and her, books. her her books, her bookshelf was amazing. And it just cuts back to she's already got a book out and has to turn some pages. And I'm curious why she has to turn Pages because it should to be. Find
0: the antidote. Yeah, it I would, I would have thought it would be
1: on the exact same page or, or the back of the page where the poison was. But then yeah, you she don't want a flip the... through the book if you accidentally poison yourself. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and
0: uh, maybe and that's a good point. <laughs> maybe it's it's ordered so that the poisons are in the front of the book and, and the antidotes, antidotes are in, in the, the back, back, but I don't know.
1: Well, and I had a note. So I think it's possible that because she. Originally had looked up the uh, the poison that was the sleeping death, and it was it would have been indexed as sleeping death, um, but that recipe includes an apple. And then um, when she looks up the antidote, it it is labeled under poison apple antidote, and then says that the victim of the, victim sleeping, of the sleeping death. death. So. These crop like this is a poorly referenced manual. Yes. Where the poison is referenced as the sleeping death, but the antidote is by poison apple. Which makes me wonder if there if if that's just one entry under all of the poison apple antidote section, like antidote comma apple comma poison. You know, like Mm. every poison apple antidote is in this section. This is just the page on the antidote if you have done the sleeping death as an apple.
2: Yes, so somebody didn't make it trying to get trying to find an antidote. They were like paging through his like apple poison apple apple, see death apple. No, not that
1: page. Flipping through and then they just hit the
2: ground.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's. I mean, I'm trying to. I know I've had experiences where, you know, I was looking through an index and had like the wrong term first or something and couldn't find what I was looking for. I know these things happen, and a good index is is really important for. For reference material, recipe books, you gotta have a good index in your recipe books. Because people need to find what they're looking for. They're cooking the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: gosh, I don't know how many times I've been cooking with the recipe book open. It's like, come on, I gotta, I, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And my wife's about ready to laugh at me if I screw up another, you know, whatever I'm cooking. So, yeah, it, it, a good index is wildly
1: important. Yes. Yeah, and I just thought it was it was odd that this antidote page is is organized uh, based on a different reference point from the uh the poison page. Uh, again, we don't know which of her books uh this one's from, but she's she's got a number of them. So, I'm going to assume that this was the one authored by death uh according to the, the bookshelf.
0: That or poison?
1: Yes. What was the what was the bookshelf because on the bookshelf, there was one thing, and at the bottom of the, the spine, it's, it just said death, as if death were the author. Um, okay. I think it was Black Arts or something. Yeah. That bookshelf was amazing, though. It, I mean, take the time to go back and look at that bookshelf if you get a chance, listeners, because it was fantastic.
0: Astrology, Black Arts, Alchemy, Witchcraft, Black Magic has the death.
1: All right, so I'm going to guess this was the Black Magic book, not the poisons.
0: And then it's disguises, sorcery, and poisons.
1: So I'm going to say Black Magic, and this would have been authored by someone going by the name of Death. It could have just been their nom de plume, uh, as they wrote Black Magic. And I'm going to say, hey, buddy, go back and do a second draft. Like, do a revision. The second edition is going to be much better organized. And, you know, get your cross-references good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, so that's just maybe, a, a maybe, tip maybe. to the author. Death. Yeah, maybe have a, like a good foreword.
2: You know, maybe you know, get ah, Stephen
1: Wait. King, Dave Barry, somebody maybe who could add some scares or maybe some laughs. <laughs> you know, and, and a nice like an explanatory introduction. You know, in our first edition, we we had some errors. Um, we've gotten some feedback from some victims and some some executors of of uh, black magic. As and part here, of settling the lawsuit with the guy who Pat, you uh, didn't get to the antidote in time. Uh, yeah, be we have to. rearranged some chapters, and and you will find a new set of cross references, <laughs> uh, some nice footnotes. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. I, I think they could yeah. really tidy up this this manual. Uh, you know, and a, some, a picture
2: is worth a thousand words. You want to like actually like you know have some drawings. It, it helps. <laughs> Maybe like an X one X over an apple. Like this is not. And listen, use crisp
1: apples. They're going <laughs> to definitely bring people in better. <laughs> um, and now she doesn't get through the entire, uh, she doesn't recite the entire no. antidote. So we'll save discussion of the text of the antidote for next week. But I'm but for next week. Uh, not next week, for, for next episode, tomorrow's for tomorrow. episode, Friday. Listeners, Friday, Friday, Friday. Um, but I'm all good on today's. Notes. Is
0: I just had one more thing on the page. All right. It, th- right next to where it says poison, uh, death apple or whatever. It's poison apple, what? uh,
1: poison apple antidote. That is the title. Um, it
0: there, there's an apple with what I believe would be a snake instead of a worm coming out of both ends of the apple. So like it's tails coming out one end and then the, the, the Head is coming out
1: the other end. You, you know As what the far. only thing worse than finding a snake in your apple is? Mm-hmm. Why would not you bite into it? Biting into your apple and finding half a snake. <laughs> yeah, that's when you know your <laughs> day's just ruined. <laughs> that's when you know it's time to give up veg, uh, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> you know, I I can't do it. The snakes have been in all in these apples. I I mean, do you think it really is a snake, or is it just like hard to tell that it's a worm?
0: I think it's a snake, but I don't
1: know. I'd believe it. That'd be a nice touch for whoever was, you know, illustrating that page. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'll put an apple in. And then because it's the black magic, you know, I'll put a snake in. It's much more sinister than the worm. <laughs> well, there is a biblical, you know, relationship between snakes and apples, so it makes sense. You know, I wasn't even thinking about that. And yeah, you're absolutely right to, to use the apple in, in that context. Yep. Yeah.
0: But that's it. That's all I have now
1: i'm i'm good as well how are you how are you brad i'm Um, good all right then then we'll be back tomorrow but brad where do people go to find your stuff yeah please uh you know uh,
2: we have both the cosmic chepeto podcast the minute uh, where we talk about everything pop culture we have the minute of darkness podcast where we talk about the 1992 classic film army of darkness minute by minute uh both those podcasts are available on iTunes and you can also uh, check out our website, Uh As we said yesterday, uh, we're also trying to encourage people to uh, rate and review uh, this fantastic podcast you're listening to right now. These guys are doing great work and they deserve more reviews. Uh, for every review received by the de- time uh, Minute 70 comes out, uh, we're going to donate uh, $1 to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, cff.org, is a great group that's helping people who are dealing with uh, cystic fibrosis, which is a, uh, a challenging and at times life threatening illness, and is helping those people uh, live better lives. So, uh, you know, you, all you need to do is give a nice review to uh, a really good podcast,
1: and you're going to help people out and build up a little good karma. And uh we will post a link to that in our Facebook group, which is the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels, and we'll we'll make it easy for everyone to to get in there and give us a review and a rating and uh and put some money in for a for a good cause. Uh and and I think it's great. We we really appreciate you um you know giving us that, that treatment. Uh I I mean I don't I don't have any better words <laughs> to say than, than just, you know, thank you and <laughs> And I hope our listeners take advantage of that to, you know, put a little effort in and and get some money going somewhere where it could do some good. And and I've already mentioned our Facebook group, so that's where where we are. Uh, share us with your friends. This is the time to do it to to get them in and get them to do that review too. Uh, you know, through a little more effort, you can give a little more money to that charity. Uh, and then come back tomorrow for another day of this week of snow white and the seven dwarfs last day of this week and until then just whistle while you work